3: Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and this hour, I have got a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of having on the show before. His name is Jason Offit, and we're going to be talking to Jason about many things this hour. We're going to be talking to him about cryptozoology as well as other, other things that interest Jason. But I'd just like to remind everyone that we're coming to you tonight on Simul Radio, Simul TV, Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, iHeart Radio and Xeon Radio as well. Now, my guest, as I said, is Jason Offit. He, um, he, uh, he grew up on a farm near Oric, Missouri. In his life, he's been a farmhand, journalist, photographer, bartender, and the mayor of a small town. He's also a Dungeons and Dragons-playing, Star Trek-watching, conspiracy-theory-believing nerd. Hey, my kind of guy. Jason's books include the upcoming book on cryptozoology, Chasing American Monsters, Creatures, Cryptids, and Hairy Beasts, the novel Bad Day for the Apocalypse, its sequel Bad Day for a Road Trip, a parody of Survival Guide, four books on the paranormal, and others. Jason also writes a weekly syndicated humor column. He lives with his family in northwest Missouri, where he teaches college journalism and keeps humanity safe from the inevitable invading Martian space army. Hmm. Jason, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us.
2: Hey Rob, thank you so much for having me back on. This is indeed a pleasure. Jason, um,
3: tell me about the the invasion of the Martian Space Army.
2: Well, you know, it was uh, it was um, told to us uh, in, in in great t- detail by the uh, by, by that great seer um, H.G. Uh, Wells back right, in the late late eighteen hundreds. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Uh, we've been preparing for some time. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just following what people before me have done and uh, stocking up on, uh, on on beef jerky and uh, and uh, you know making make, making sure I watch the skies.
3: Well, you know, I'm glad you're there, my friend. I'm glad you're there for us all. Uh, congratulations on all your books, but I understand you've got a, a new book coming out called "What Lurks Beyond."
2: Well, yeah, I've got uh, this. Uh, yeah, this book is. Um, um, it's out. It's out now, and uh, it was really, really fun to uh, uh, fun to fun to research because I had I, I wrote a few years ago a, uh, a a paranormal column for a newspaper,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I started getting all sorts of people contacting me, and I'm like, wait a second, a lot of these people are from my home state or neighboring states, and and then again, oh wait a second. A lot of these people are fairly close to where I live. So I decided, you know, maybe I should look into somewhere very close to my house. So I picked a 100-mile radius, Right. Uh, put a pin in the map, uh, measured out a string to see how long 100 miles would be, put a pencil on the end of it, and made a circle. And I uh, searched for all the, the paranormal things I could find within that circle, and I found quite a, quite a few.
3: Yeah, I, I made a mistake. Uh, what lurks beyond is published, but you've got the new one coming out, I believe, in March, entitled uh, "Chasing American Monsters." So we'll right. talk about that one later on. I'm sorry about that, my friend. No, that's okay. That's okay. So, so tell me about this 100 mile circle, and what kind of events were there within that 100 miles?
2: Well, when whenever you're researching the paranormal, the first thing you find is is a ton of ghost stories. Yeah, I mean, ghost stories are or absolutely everywhere as I've found all around the planet. So I I found plenty of ghost stories and I had to leave quite a few of them out because, uh, I didn't want this to be a book of ghost stories, but I also found uh, some UFO encounters. Um, a couple fairly famous, um, uh, some that, um, that, that Brad Steiger had, um, had investigated and and, and Jacques Vallee had investigated it as well that I included, uh, but I also but, but I found a case of, of demon possession um, of uh, um, a dog man, a, uh, a time travel um, mm-hmm. art uh, the the late great Art Bell named uh, this guy Madman, mm-hmm. uh, and and just a, a just so many different types of, of paranormal activity just within a hundred miles of my house. That it was it was kind of creepy and amazingly awesome at the same time.
3: Tell me, why do you think the paranormal is so popular these days? Here we are in the year twenty eighteen, and yet the paranormal seems to be more popular now than it ever has been.
2: It kind of comes in waves, actually. Yeah, but it is it is extremely popular now. Probably, and, and you're right, probably more mm-hmm. popular now than it than it really has ever been. Uh, because our media is more. In invasive in our lives as it, as it's ever been, but generally um, the paranormal, the, the the waves that come in has to do with um, uh, the economy. It right. has to do with uh, the the state of the world. Whenever um, you know the the Great Depression hit, one of the one of the biggest. Uh, escapes for people was going to the movies and watching uh, you know watching Dracula or King Kong or Frankenstein or the Invisible Man or or those type of monster movies that came out. Uh, that kind of escapism because there was something bad, something something wicked, something that was affecting people negatively like the Great Depression. But at the end, the good guys won. Sorry, guys, uh, listeners, it's you know that was in the 1930s, so no spoilers. <laughs> I didn't I didn't do any spoilers because sure. the good guys did win. Um and the, the literature of uh of the Victorian age uh had a lot to do a lot of a lot to do with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um whenever I mean World War Two we had uh we had we had foo fighters uh in, 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 in the war zone. So whenever there is some sort of unrest, it seems that that the paranormal uh shows its head, whether that's because there's more energy in the world more negative energy that the paranormal is attracted to or you know we just see more more things uh, I, I mean that, that that's up for debate
3: yeah and I'm sure the media as well as the internet has a whole lot to do with it
2: well right now yeah right yeah. right now especially because I mean the, the paranormal shows are immensely popular um, and they well, they have been for about the, the last last 10 years At I, least, I, I yeah. would think um, I, I grew up uh, when I was a kid in the 1970s. I, I was glued to uh, um, Leonard Nimoy's
3: "In Search, in Search of."
2: I, I, I absolutely loved that, but that was that was a rare show. Now they're they're on every network.
3: They were they were the um, the beginning, and then then in the late 80s we had the X Files and some of the other great shows that that happened. Bob Kiviat's work with uh, Fox TV. And uh, it, it just seems that people started coming out of the woodwork with their stories, and you know, I've been I've been doing the show now, going on 29 years, and there is still more and more information coming out. Except there's one little problem I have with it all: the stories are the same; they vary a little bit, but still, there is no evidence. Hello. Yeah. No, I I was saying that the um you know the uh, I've been doing the show for nearly 29 years now talked to over 4,500 guests individually uh, you know at one time or another and 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 yet when it comes to the the claims of the paranormal it's missing the most important element and that is and that is um, proof evidence
2: right yeah and that is going to continue to be a, a serious problem I, I wrote a piece, Uh, a few years ago Mm -hmm. uh, and put it put it online and I got some a a lot of positive uh, feedback and a lot of negative feedback but my basic point was all of the ghost hunters out there all of the Bigfoot chasers all of the people trying to find some kind of paranormal uh, evidence it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they find definitive evidence you know, if they record this EVP, it's this is this is it. This is right here. Yeah. This EVP, I know I captured a ghostly voice. It wasn't done in a lab. It wasn't done under the uh, scientific scru- you know, uh, you know, it was scruples of of a uh, you know of a, of a doctor. Sure. Um. Uh, in in you know, it's it unless
3: something is repeatable. Warden, it's I, not going to be proven. I, I don't think you're right there, Jason. And I think that in the case of Bigfoot, if someone was to come up with a a cadaver of a Bigfoot, or in the case of a UFO, an actual crash, instead of all this supposition, all these cover-up theories and conspiracy theories, I think people would be more likely to say, you know what, it is real. And I often wonder if... Ghost hunting and all the little power groups that are forming around the world is just not another way of socializing with people when you have something in common with them. And we've got to take our first break, so please stand by, Jason. Exonation. Jason Offutt is our special guest, and his website is www.jasonoffutt.com, and that's www.jasonoffutt.com. And we'll both be back as this hour continues here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us on the iHeartRadio Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio. And you're watching us on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Jason Offutt is my guest this hour, www.jasonoffutt.com is his website. And Jason, as I was saying before we went into this commercial, well, uh, the last commercial break, it seems as if the paranormal groups of today are are people who have found each other where they don't fit in other places of society. And once again, when it comes to the evidence of whether it's Bigfoot, whether it's ghosts, whether it's UFOs, whether it's uh, lake monsters, sea monsters, or whatever. I think for those who call themselves skeptics, in order to, to, to become believers, it will not depend on anything that can be scientifically replicated or has to be conducted in a, in a lab at a university or a medical center somewhere. I really think it depends on the physical evidence that is presented by the person, whoever. Comes up with that smoking gun,
2: and yeah, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the that was the second part part of the article I was talking about. Um, with, with when it comes to ghost and shadow people and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, it, it's going to take uh, you know some some serious you know scientific you know ghost busting. Sure, uh, you know. But when it comes to you know, you mentioned Bigfoot and UFOs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I even in fact I said these exact words if you see a bigfoot shoot it in the face <laughs> I mean I I don't want you know a whole wholesale Bigfoot slaughter but you know all we need is one yeah and and boom it's proven and 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 that's it it's an endangered species and and we move on it's the same with 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 UFOs um, I mean there are so many stories about about UFOs crashing and retrieval by the government and it's been spirited away okay, whatever there's a lot of those could it have happened yeah absolutely sure could it have not have happened same absolutely but if somebody gets a hold of one and all of a sudden mm-hmm. hits the hits the press hits the media you know puts everything on on social media it's wait a second look at this exactly it's real yeah, yeah. no that that needs to happen when that happens we don't have to have you know the, the science, science, uh, you know, stamp of approval sure. because we we've got it in our hands.
3: And, and and you know, when you look at the conspiracy theories that are out there, and, and God knows, every time you turn around, there's a new conspiracy theory coming out. But when it comes to the 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 UFO conspiracy theory, the Roswell crash, Kexburg, and the Shag Harbor, and the list goes on and on and on and on. I have a problem with that when it comes to a government conspiracy for two reasons. Number one. We live in an age of computer hacking. If there was the evidence that any government of the world was hiding this data in a data bank somewhere, it would be hacked, and it would be all over social media. That's number one. Number two, if President Clinton could not have his affair with... Uh, Monica Lewinsky, in the White House, the most secure building in the entire free world without everyone knowing six months later. How in the name of heaven have they been able to hide an alien or a crashed UFO for over 50 years? I, I, I'm, I'm on board
2: with you, I, exactly. And that goes for the, uh, you know, the, the the fake moon landing exactly. conspiracy theory people. You know, the government is, 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 is you know... They would have, something would have spilled. They're not competent enough. The government, the United States government is not competent enough to have hidden that thing for, what, almost 50 years well, now.
3: Well, you know what? You're talking about the lunar conspiracy. In fact, uh, Buzz Aldrin came out a couple of months ago. And and during an interview, he said, we didn't go there. It was all about money. When talking about the lunar landings. So when you've got... This, this raises a double-edged sword because you've got the UFO community saying that astronauts are coming forward and saying that they've seen uh, UFOs uh, in close Earth orbit on the moon and so on. And then you're saying, and these are supposed to be moonwalkers, Edgar Mitchell for one. And then you've got other astronauts who are coming out and saying, we didn't go to the moon. It was all about money. It was all about the Russian, uh, you know, the Russian U.S. Cold War. So who does John Q. Public believe?
2: Oh, well, yeah, I, am I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe yeah. uh, to to believe the people who were actually there, and and I, I did not read that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read that from Buzz Alder. I'll send
3: you the clip. I, I will send you the audio. He, I, you I
2: loved what he yeah. said, uh, at, or what he did at one point. There was a uh, a conspiracy theory um, uh, documentarian. Uh, oh, that was uh, Bart, Bart Cybrell, I believe yeah. his name is,
3: and uh, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Buzz Aldrin punched him in the face. But now, but, but now Bart is saying, "I told you so." So yeah, you know, I, you've I, got I... you've got this conspiracy theory. Then you've got the conspiracy about Alex Jones. Is he really Alex Jones, or is he another person who, who allegedly died years ago? And Alex Jones, you know, is the reinvention of this person who never did die. So you know, here you've got people who are just tuning into what you and I have talked about for many years. And they are getting smack dab in the middle of uh, you know, fake news. Right. I mean,
2: we, what, what, what is there to believe anymore? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, exactly. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I put on my bio of, you know, I'm a conspiracy, conspiracy yeah. theory believing nerd. And I absolutely love conspiracy theories. And, and some doesn't? of them. I, you know, the, the, the JFK assassination, mm-hmm. why, why Marilyn Monroe died, those things I still have a ton of questions over. Um, I, I think my favorite is the fact that, uh, uh, you know, w- one one guy claims that Stephen King assassinated uh, John Lennon. I think that's my
3: favorite.
2: <laughs> I, I don't put any stock in it. I just yeah. think it, that's, that's funny.
3: But you don't put any stock into it. A great number of other people don't, but then you've got the people who— really believe in their heart of hearts that if it's on the internet it has to be true
2: right which and i'm i'm a journalism teacher that's that's what i that's what i teach at 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 my university and it's really so frustrating to me what has happened to the news media Mm -hmm. the fact that nobody trusts what what they're reading or hearing or or seeing and um (laughs) You know, all of this just 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 compounds. What is real and what is not? It's taken. It, it, this whole thing has taken um, what is real and put it in the same you know same category as you know things Alex Jones says, or yeah. you know that that Stephen King you know allegedly killed John Lennon, and it, and and it's all viewed with the same with the, with the same lens, and it and it's 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 frustrating, and frankly, it's frightening.
3: As a member of the of the media, I find it very disturbing that instead of being reporters and reporting with an open mind and presenting the three sides of the, any story, and, and that comes from my days as a cop where, you know, there's three sides to every story, his side, her side, and the truth. And I believe it's up to a journalist to present all sides of a story, all the facts, and when I see what's happening today with some of the major networks, like CNN, what would happen? What would they have to do without President Trump? Yeah. You know? Well, right. And when it was the same for eight years,
2: what would Fox News spend their time doing if it wasn't for President Obama? Right. You know, so right. Right. It's 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 the the one of the, one of the one of the problems is, and, and I, I I worked in the uh, print media for seventeen years. Mm-hmm. And what what I, I saw happening to them is, has happened to the to all of the other media as, as well. Is they they've cut back. They've cut back on reporters and editors, and it, it's just it's hurt the quality overall. And there are still a lot of good people in, in the media. But a lot of the reporting is shoddy because they just don't have the time to do good reporting, which and it's sad. It doesn't. It does everyone a disservice, mm-hmm. and it's just a big spiral of decline, which is going to continue to happen before you know, it's to, it always continue to until somebody. I, I, I don't know. Somebody steps in and and uh, you know has has the guts to uh, you know take take news first.
3: Well, you know, and then you've got the 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 alleg- allegiances that are forming. You've got CNN with the, with the New York Times and the Washington Post, and you've got this network with this newspaper and that newspaper. And, and I think that what they are doing is a disservice to those that they're supposed to be presenting because, you know, like, that's not their job. They're not supposed to pick sides. They're supposed to report the news report the facts yeah you know, where are the old days of we'll dan Rather and, and of course walter cronkite that's great hey, let's throw
2: peter let's throw canadian peter jennings out oh, yeah. there i love peter yeah.
3: peter jennings was one of the great ones yeah keith morrison another canadian that was went out of the states uh, and, and you've got all this sensationalism and and you and i know from being in the media that in today's society it's the advertising buck that counts that is the main drive. the The advertising is the driving force behind the success of any media outlet. And in today's society, to get the most readers, the most viewers, most listeners, you have to be sensationalistic. What's the old saying in the newspaper industry? If it don't, if it don't bleed, it don't lead.
2: Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and well, and that's it's it, uh, sensationalism is has been rampant for a long time. Um, I blame a lot of that on the twenty-four hour news cycle. When CNN finally caught, I'm not blaming CNN, but it's, why not?
3: I do all the day.
2: Yeah, but it's 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 just uh, you know uh, you know something that happened because they covered news twenty-four hours a day. They had to cover something, yep. and they would grab a hold of a news story and just pound it into the dust. Yep. And, and and that has continued to happen because it's paid off. the The big one now that I've frankly been following because it's close to home is uh, a college student in, in Iowa, a young pretty girl, Let's talk about this
3: because I've got, to, I've got to take my break for the news, uh, Jason. Please stand by. Great talking to you, my friend. Exonation, uh, Jason Offutt is our special guest. His website is and That's J-A-S-O-N-O-F-F-U-T-T dot com. Jason and I return on the other side of this break. We're going to get back to the paranormal right here on the Exo from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away
0: we all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone mcdonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them
1: and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you
3: Jason Offit is my guest. www.jasonoffitt.com. All right. Before we went to the break yeah, with the news, you're just going to tell us about uh, a story near you about a girl disappearing.
2: Right. Well, then, and, and this, 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 yeah, has to, has to do with with what the media media does, uh, mm-hmm. grabbing a hold of a story like a you know like a pit bull and not letting go of it. Right. Um, it's just a, a girl disappeared in Iowa. Uh, she was a college girl. Uh, you know. Good grades, good family, uh, all, all this stuff, and she just disappeared. And the media has been talking about her for weeks. How many other people have disappeared in that time? Exactly. Right. I know why? Why? Yeah. Why latch onto this one person? I mean, she's a young, pretty girl. That's that's exactly why. And she'll get ratings.
3: You know, it's it's just like with uh, with the with the reporting on President Trump about his. Uh, the Stormy Daniels thing. You know, like President John F. Kennedy had affairs. Thomas Jefferson had affairs. And the list goes on. And instead of being non-biased, whether it's CNN or Fox, MSNBC, whatever, they're, they're not. They're, they're too focused on either the right or the left. And you know what? I'll, that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't agree with it. I don't think that's true journalism. I think that is sensationalistic tabloid journalism. You know, the, like the old World, World Weekly News and, and Bat Boy. Right.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you, and uh, I'd rather read a story on Bat, about Bat Boy than, uh, than generally what goes on the, in the news today.
3: Exactly. So let's get back to, to uh, your book, of What Lurks Beyond. Um, tell me about Herb Sh- uh, Shermer. Shermer Herb yeah. Shermer, yeah this um, this was a great
2: case from the, from the late 1960s. Herb mm-hmm. Shermer, uh, he was he was in the Navy. When he got out of the Navy, he decided that you know he, he was a young man. Hey, you know, I like wearing a uniform. I want to I want to be a, a state patrolman. His family had just his mom and dad had just moved to Nebraska right before he got out of the Navy, so he he went to Nebraska with them. And he uh, went to a small town called Ashland, which was the closest town to where his parents lived. And he was, he was wanting to get um, you know, his, his police record, so or his, his criminal record, which he didn't have, to, to uh, show the state patrol so he could get a job. And the chief of police said, well, we need a patrolman. Would you like to work for us? And he said yes. Um, the, the people in the town didn't like him. <laughs> Because he was he was uh, really hard-nosed. Oh, okay. Uh, he'd, he'd go up on uh, Lover's Lane, run all the kids off, uh, take their beer and dump it in front of them. Oh, so he and was doing his job. He was just doing his job, exactly. Well, one night he, he went um, outside of town. Uh, there were a number of businesses on the highway, and he just went and shook doors to make sure they were locked and there was no trouble out there. And he noticed... Uh, a couple of red lights at the end of the, at, at the end of this highway near a turnaround. So he went down, down there to check them out. Cause he thought that it was a, uh, an overturned truck. Right. And when he got there, he saw a disc with a red line around it. And then he, the next thing he remembered, it was, it was 20 minutes later by his watch. And all he knew is that he saw a UFO because it was this disc hovering about six feet off the ground. So he drove back to the, uh, to the police station, and the only other person there, because it was like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that, uh, the only person there was, a, was an older police officer who said, Herb, do not file this in a report. You will regret this the rest of your life. So Shermer was young, so he wrote it in a report. And uh, the next day, the uh, nearest newspaper, the, uh, or the nearest big newspaper, the Lincoln uh, Star Journal Wrote a story about it, and instantly he was national news. It hit the AP wire, and uh, you know the, the press was all over him. Um, the town didn't like that. Uh, he he was hung in hef- effigy in the in the local cemetery. Um, there were you know his his name was spray painted <laughs> on on uh, on streets, and uh, things were getting bad until. The um, Condon, uh, the people at the Condon Report in, uh, at, at the university in uh, in Colorado uh, contacted him and said, we really want to talk to you. And his police chief said, sure, take a week off, go out to Colorado and talk to these people. And he went out there. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Leo Sprinkle, who had interviewed Herb Shermer and said that Herb, he he was pretty sure that Herb. I mean, Herb at least to him was telling him the truth. Uh, I also interviewed Brad Steiger while well, Brad was still still alive. Yeah. He just he passed away in the last year. Uh, Brad had interviewed him as well, uh, as well as uh, undergoing a hypnotic session with him and uh, a hypnotic regression session. And, and Herb started telling telling Brad and, and the hypnotist that when, while he was. Um, you know, unconscious, that he saw a person walk from the ship. And this person was wearing a uniform and a close-fitting hood. He had a feathered uh, winged serpent badge on his chest and, and an antenna coming out of his ear. And And this guy walked up to him and said, Are you the watchman? And Schirmer, being the police officer, said, Yes, I'm the watchman. And Schirmer said that this, under hypnosis, that this this Alien took him inside the spaceship and showed him how the propulsion system worked, and the fact that they you know they they had to uh, uh, take water from you know from the earth in order to be able to leave again. and And that was it. It hit the press. Uh, you know more after that. And uh, Shermer got a book deal, um, swore in newspaper accounts that uh, these aliens kept coming by to visit him and ended up at one point uh waking up in the middle of the night holding a gun to his wife's head uh, because because of all the pressure and at that point he was like okay i'm finished i don't want to be a policeman anymore and he left town he and his wife moved to south carolina yeah. and he uh became a roofer and doesn't talk about his experience anymore
3: you know i, I, I... I remember talking to two, uh, to two fellow police officers in a, in a small Quebec community oh. that they actually chased a fireball, and this is how it was described as a fireball, along the main thoroughfare of this little town in Quebec along the Ottawa River. And, and when I said to them, I said, well, what did you do? And they said, nothing. We wanted to keep our jobs.
2: Right, and I have I'd interviewed uh, uh, a Kansas City, Missouri police officer uh, who told me a story that had happened to him thirty years before, mm-hmm. and he said he and a he and a fellow officer uh, had stopped in a park to to fill out some reports before they you know went back to the station, yeah. and all of a sudden a light came over their head, and they both looked out the window, and there was a UFO hovering over the police car, and Neither of them told anybody because they didn't want to, you know, because they would be taken off duty, you know, and have to go under the care of a psychiatrist for a while. So I yeah. just really wonder how many people in that kind of position don't say a word and have so many stories just because, you know, they they were afraid of their jobs.
3: And, and yet, I remember receiving a call uh, while I was on duty as a police officer in Quebec to investigate a UFO report from the wife of an RCMP officer. And when I got to the residence, the wife and their eldest daughter were still shaking. And they described an event that they were driving along. It was about 10-11 o'clock at night. This light in the sky came down close and started following them. And uh, they just hightailed at home, called the police, and if it was, you know, like here you've got an RCMP officer's wife. She was a, a school teacher. He is a very well-distinguished and um, yeah, he's got so many uh, medals for bravery and everything else while in the RCMP. And here you've, yeah, he says, listen, if my wife said that happened, it happened. So, you know, you, you've got the mix there. Jason, you've got the mix. You've got those who were willing to go on on record like Shermer did, and then like the two other police officers that you were discussing who who didn't, as well as the two police officers that I talked to who didn't because they wanted to keep their job. And yet, in the case of the RCMP officer's wife, she wanted to go on record because she believed what she saw was a UFO. Which brings up another question. How much of what people see is based on their belief and not on what is really there.
2: Well, and and that's, that's one of the problems when it comes to reporting on eyewitness, not just Mm -hmm. reporting on eyewitnesses, but, but police, um, getting eyewitness testimony is that people are are wrong a lot. You know, if, if I saw somebody run out of a bank, you know, holding a gun and he was, I thought he was holding a pistol and wearing a yellow jacket and a red hat. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might have seen him holding an AK-47, wearing a jean blue jean jacket, and not wearing a hat at all. So, I mean, it's eyewitness testimony, although it, it sounds like it should be the most credible, really, really isn't.
3: Uh, we've got to go to our final break, but uh, while we're going to the break, I'll uh, just uh, share a little ditty with you that I know from first-hand experience that in an academy class... While the cadets and the police force were being taught, I think it was traffic duty, somebody walked in, staged a, staged a holdup with the instructor, and took off. The question was, you know, what did he look like? What was he carrying and everything? Very few people got the fact that the robber was actually holding a banana. So there you go. <laughs> we'll be back on the other side of this break with our good friend Jason Offit. As we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, for more information about Jason, visit his website, www.jasonoffutt.com. My name is Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Jason Offutt is my special guest this hour, Exonation. Nation. His website is www.jasonoffit.com. And that's J-A-S-O-N-O-F-F-U-T-T.com. First of all, Jason, always a great pleasure talking to you and uh, looking forward to having you back on in the future. Um, I, I want to thank you very much for your six-hour course offer, but I think I'll pass that for now. You never know what will happen <laughs> in the future. But, you know talking about uh first of all brad steiger a wonderful man and a great loss to the paranormal community as well as to the literary community art bell another great guy another great loss um so just to just to our listeners uh, i've had the pleasure of talking to both these gentlemen and they truly were uh, great and they certainly are legends in our own time um
2: Well, let me, look, can I interrupt you for just a second? My very, very first radio appearance, the the host had interviewed Brad Steiger the show before. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing I said to him was, Mike, thank you so much for having me on right behind Brad Steiger. Just just, just because of the fact that, you know, um, it was going to be a letdown because it was Brad Steiger.
3: Now, he, he was a great guy and uh, had him on the show many times spoke to him on and off air many times and uh, he certainly will be missed we were talking about uh, schrimmer and how he underwent hypnosis now a lot of people have no faith in hypnosis there are those people who have faith in hypnosis and even the hypnosis yeah, the regression hypnosis that that Bud Hopkins did has now been disputed by his, by his ex-wife or partner as it all being, you know, nothing but a lark. What is your opinion of uh, hypnosis?
2: At at, at one point I thought it was total bunk. Mm -hmm. Um, Back when I worked um, in, in the industry I wanted to do a story. I I had eventually got to the point, because in the newspaper industry, you don't get to write about paranormal, the paranormal, unless something really big happens. But I I had started editing uh, an entertainment magazine for the paper I worked for, and I I had a paranormal issue. And and I I wanted to do past life regression. So myself and a... uh, um, Another reporter, who's from Hamilton, Ontario, by the way. Oh, there you go. Uh, we, uh, we went to, uh, to to this hypnotist and, who did, did did past life regression, and he was all of a sudden, he was like, I don't want to do this. How about I write the story and you go under past life regression? So, so I did. And I'd never I didn't think I could be hypnotized. I didn't know what it would be like, but I really didn't think it would happen. And all of a sudden... The world opened up
4: mm-hmm.
2: that I had never seen before. And it was like, I was watching television, but with my emotions wired into the program and I knew what I was seeing was me. Right. And I knew what I was seeing, uh, was, was also my wife who was my wife now, then, you know, at whatever time this was. And it was, it was, it was, beautiful and wonderful. And then she died during childbirth. And, and I ended up being so, you know, under, you know, depression that, you know, because this happened that I ended up drinking myself to death in, in this, you know, in, in this scenario. And when I was taken out of the hypnotic, you know, regression session, I was wet with tears I was absolutely exhausted. I had been crying this entire time. Whether that was just a trick of my mind, I have no idea. It, it very well could have been a trick of my mind. Probably was, but it, it could have been, you know, me seeing a past life. But the, the emotions that it dragged from me were, I mean, it, I mean, it still, it still hits me in the gut to this day.
3: Wow, uh, you know, like once once again, uh, I, I believe it's a matter of personal preference if you want to believe or if you don't want to believe. But I think one of the main uh, skewing points that I use when it comes to the validity of, of, of hypnosis is, is that it's not admissible in a court of law. Right, yeah,
2: and, and, and like I said, I don't know if, you know, I, I'm not banking anything on this. I'm just saying what I felt. Oh, I see. I, okay. I, I wouldn't, if somebody said, I was hypnotized and, and, and know this, I mm-hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't put any stock in it. I just, I'm just, I just know what I felt.
3: So after, after studying all these cases within 100 miles, see how I'm bringing us back there, uh, of your, of your uh, residence, <laughs> what is your take? Did anything that happened or any witness that you talked to change your mind on something that you may not have been 100% uh, believing in? was there any was there any aha moment was there anything that shook you at your very roots well
2: yes yes and no i mean when it when it comes to belief yeah. uh, it's i mean I, I i believe what i know uh, i saw a full-bodied apparition as a kid so are there ghosts yeah i kind of think so um I've seen some weird things, weird lights in the sky. Eh, you know, there's weird things up there. Are they sure. from, you know, Alpha Centauri? I have no idea. I just saw something weird. But they, I'm, what I generally do as a journalist is just I ask people questions and they tell me their stories and I write about it. Right. I think the one thing that may have gone, gone, gone a little ways into convincing me uh, was because I knew the people. I, I I went to church with them, and uh, this 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 boy he was he was an adult when I talked to him, but he had grown up in a, in an old house, and had seen shadow people as a kid, and at, at one point, uh, this one specific shadow person he knew because it kept it, it, it retained the same shape. It, it kept getting closer. It kept going from the, the corner of his eye, you know, more into the forefront. And then at one point, it peeled back the hood, and he could see this red face that was deeply scarred. And it started telling him to do things that he felt compelled to do. Uh, it told him other things that he didn't want to do, and it scared the hell out of him, like he, uh, this this entity didn't like his girlfriend. He was like kill your girlfriend. He didn't like his father. Kill your father. His girlfriend and father were both deeply Christian. And when this kid woke up after going to church one Sunday morning, getting a splitting headache in the church because that entity was sitting next to him and the entity telling him to go out to his to his truck and just drive. This kid woke up, you know, hours later not knowing where he was, he was he was he'd driven a hundred you know hundreds of miles away. He realized at that point, yeah, there's probably a problem here. But if I would have interviewed anybody else, I would have thought, yeah, that's a cool story. I'll, I'll write about it. But I knew the people that involved, and everybody kind of corroborated the story. The father himself had seen the entity at one point. So wow. Yeah, that 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 made a pretty pretty big impact on me.
3: Listen, I've got about two and a half minutes left, uh, Jason. What was your favorite story from the book?
2: Um, Jim the Wonder Dog.
3: Jim the that, Wonder Dog.
2: Jim the Wonder Dog, and and that that one I cheated. I didn't put it in in the book proper. I put it in an appendix. Okay. <laughs> it was one hundred twenty six miles outside. The Radius, but it it was in the hometown of my my uh, wife's hometown. So you kind of Um, cheated
3: a little bit here.
2: Well, yeah, but I I specifically told the reader I cheated. Okay,
3: all right, so you really didn't cheat.
2: So I really didn't cheat. So back in the 1930s, uh, a man named Sam Van Arsdale, who owned the rough hotel in Marshall, Missouri, uh, he was a big hunter, and a buddy of his from Louisiana um, gave him a dog. A hunting dog, oh, and yeah. it was a joke because it was the run of a litter, and it was an English Llewellyn Setter, and uh, it was a joke. But the dog ended up being an amazing hunting dog. It seemed to know exactly where the birds were, and he. There were stories in uh, you know the local uh, you know local magazines and newspapers mm-hmm. about how great this dog was, and then all of a sudden. The dog owners, Sam Van Arsdale, realized that when he said things, this dog would do what he said. And after experimenting, he discovered that, you know, in the hotel, people would gather there on a Saturday. Yes. And if he said things like, hey, go find the man from Kansas City, this dog would go up to a person. And sure enough, that guy would be from Kansas City, Missouri um he would say go find you know the person with you know twenty dollars in her purse and he would go up to a woman and the owner would walk up uh i just told the dog to go find somebody with twenty dollars do you have twenty dollars in your purse well yeah that's all i got twenty dollars eventually he found out that the dog could read he could find license plates um he would uh, the, the the owner would write notes on a piece of paper, show it to the dog, and the dog would would go do what the note said. He had other people write notes in German, Italian, Latin, shorthand. The dog would follow everything that was written on the note. The dog would uh, he correctly predicted he correctly predicted uh, Kentucky Derby winners, presidents. Wow. If a pregnant woman would, would come up, uh, he would predict if it was a male or a girl. And I'm
3: sure if the dog was here, he would predict that right now you and I have to say so long.
2: Oh, that's too bad. I'm not done with the dog. But oh, that's wait. good.
3: We'll have you back on to finish this story. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Always a great Our pleasure problem. talking to you. Thank you so you. much. Hey, continued success. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the XO. So, so
2: do I. Take care, my have friend. good evening.
3: You too. Jason Offit has been my guest to this hour, Exo Nation. We'll have to have Jason on because I want to find out more about the dog. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the x from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
4: We
0: all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend,
1: this is us saying thank you.